Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Going in Circles Big Monday show. My name is Charles Simon. I am the host of the Big Monday show. My co-host, Barry Spears, the sniper, will be with us right after the first break. We uh, we discussed the Belmont and the Belmont card and a bunch of other stuff. Kind of kick around a lot of different things. And we even have a public service announcement to do late in the show. So, uh, you're here, you might as well listen. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people do a fantastic job taking care of your mare Uh, they have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees your mare will find a match at pleasant acre farms currently the star of pleasant acre farm stallion roster is neolithic who is by far a runaway winner of the freshman stallion of the year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made a three for three, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at PAS Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out. Is this the uh, Belmont Week Sniper? Certainly is. Uh, How are you doing, sir? Hanging in there. How's it going? Uh, no complaints. No complaints. No one listens anyways, but... Yeah, they do. We need to get you a nickname of some sort. Curmudgeon isn't doing it. Fat bastard. <laughs> that wouldn't have been my first choice. Either. That was from... Uh, that was the movie uh, Austin Powers. Yeah. <clears throat> one Plus, you're not Scottish or British or whatever he is. Not at all. Not. Although somebody thought you were, there was. It's funny. There was some hullabaloo over some racing dinner that's held over in, purpose? In, in England. It's black tie and male only. And I mean, my comment was like, "Who the hell wants to go to that?" <laughs> hey, this is a good take. I co-signed that. Nobody wants to be at a, an event like that. We're going to get dressed up in, in tuxes and then go hang out with another, uh, like a bunch of dudes. <laughs> like, what is wrong with those people? No wonder we won the war. <laughs> Are you okay? Did you fall over? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know where Barry uh, does the show from now. I've, I've seen the you've seen the room I've seen the room the the plethora of of hats from that's not even all of them that was all like, different uh, teams that, and colors and 
Very, that, very. Good. That was only a sample size. They're <clears throat> they're scattered all over my house. So sometimes I can't even find them. You know what I think you should do though? I think you should do the show with the sword. The sword should be <laughs> in the room. In case I'm just gonna bring the sword. You know what? You should bring the sword on a Wednesday afternoon. Do you think they get pissed? Do you think they get pissed off? If, I mean, does it say anywhere no medieval swords allowed? I haven't seen any signs. I mean, they may not let you bring in coolers and stuff. Well, I guess this year they're supposed to, but there's the rumor. Of course, this is like the the yearly Saratoga rumor. They're not going to let us bring coolers next year. <laughs> I think that's been the rumor since ever. <laughs> They're going to ban coolers. I can't believe it. I don't care if gas is $42 a gallon. I want to bring a cooler in. Damn it. They've changed a lot. I mean, the giveaways used to be like madhouses. Yeah, every Sunday. I mean, it was like nuts. I remember people used to call me, hey, could you get me a free t-shirt? I'm like, no. I'm getting you a free t-shirt. How about if I just send you 10 bucks so I don't have to wait in line? I don't want to wait in line to get some junky free t-shirt. Or a bag or a blanket? No, uh, the blankets I kind of liked, but uh, they had the beach towel, Belmont beach towels. That's when they, you know people used to actually go to Belmont Park. They had uh, had a really nice Belmont beach towel, and you washed it like twelve times and <laughs> just disintegrated. But hey, it said Belmont on it, so it was always kind of like. Did it have the logo and the? Oh yeah, it was, in, ro- the... it was in the rotation. E? The towel That's rotation. Not... That's nice. I'm just in it for the calendars, to be honest with you, but whatever. I found that when I left Florida to come up here, and you, I'm in New York, if you don't know that, um, I, I found I had a vast array of towels. I had, like, towels that I had stored that I forgot I have. Vast. Like, that, that means it's, like, more than 10. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I might have 25 towels, like bath towels. Hmm. I mean, the record was jeans. I had 37 pairs of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have any. They're almost like disposable. <laughs> I don't have any. I know. You're a, you're a, you're a <laughs> pantsless. Straight up shorts. Uh, pantsless and in, in, in the panhandle. Well, you're not really in the panhandle, but they rhymed. So, anyways, the Belmont. You're a rapper. <laughs> the Belmont. What? Get out the of Belmont here. this week. Yeah, so was the Met Mile. But I figure yeah. at some point we should talk about horse racing and not my pants. Um, <clears throat> as long as the, the pink pants, we could talk about those all night. You'd be the I pink pants. Not fit in the pink pants. Chris. Clement what about uh, the mayor? I want to get Chris Clement to autograph those pants, and I know that. When I asked him to fit him now, right? Give me that 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 Chris Clement look, like you know the look that the French give you of disdain, like <laughs> you're not even like the same species. And you know, when someone asks you to autograph their pants, I would understand why I would get that disdain. But mayor, he could he could wear the pants and then sell them. I think my pants would be too big for him. What? Uh, you know, the mayor's a little bit shorter than me. Yeah, he is. He's, he's definitely shorter. <laughs> the mayor was doing some domesticated work yesterday. I know, man. I was just appalled by what I was seeing. Yeah, and I made a bet with him that I, I wouldn't finish that giant bowl of salad, and I did. So, mm, that, 
No, no salad zone. No. Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, so so, Wayne Lucas is scratched out of another triple count race this year. Well, yeah, because he wants to let Rich Strike win, right? East Row Road is, is out. <clears throat> quarter crack. He's popped a quarter crack. So he running. It was funny after he announced he, he wouldn't be running. They said, well, he might run in the Ohio Derby or the Haskell or maybe the Jim Dandy or the Drivers. Or <laughs> he gave like nine all different of them. possibilities. I was thinking in the old days, he would have run in all of them. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Andy Schilling put up a um, a poll about the Met Mile today. And the four, it was kind of a, I'm, I'm, I know Andy doesn't listen to the show. But someone might report it to him. But um, it was kind of a little bit of an open-ended poll, and it didn't ask like a specific question. Really, it was more of um, you know, four of, I guess, in his opinion, the best performances, um, or maybe best fields, best performances versus fields. Like because like like Frosted ran off the screen, but I mean he beat. You know, three crows and two donkeys in that race. <laughs> anchor down. Yeah. Who wrote, who usually renegade an anchor down? Um, but the 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 four um poll questions because Twitter only lets you have four, unlike Facebook, which will let you have like seventy three options. Thirty. <laughs> um, were Garthorn in nineteen eighty six, and a lot of people are like, who? But yeah, Garthorn was actually a horse Pretty that was horse. before his time. If he if he raced these days, when there's a lot of mild races, <clears throat> um, he would have won a lot of races. He he could run on the turf and the dirt. He started out in France and came over. Bobby Frankel trained him, and I think he won five or, or six out of his first seven starts over here in the U.S. And then he kind of tailed off a little bit. But he really didn't want to go much further than a mile, I don't think. Mile and mile 16th. Um, but he beat a really good field. Uh, Turkelman was in there, who I'm pretty sure was the favorite in the breed. He was the beaten favorite that year in the Breeders' Cup Classic because Skywalker won. Skywalker won, yeah. right. At um, uh, uh, Santa Anita. And he beat Proud Truth, who had won the Breeders' Cup Classic the year before. Uh, Lady Secret was in there, who was, you know, Lady Secret. She won like 50 million stake races over like a three-year period. Um, Smile, who was a sprint champion, was in there. And a couple of hard hitters, Ziggy's Boy, Love That Mac, who were sprinters. And uh, Garthorn, Garthorn passed the, the speed horses and held off uh, the closers. That, that was one of the options, and it got like four percent um ghost zapper was uh, one of the options and of course he's the most recent so he got most of the love um although his met mile wasn't super impressive he and... won really easily yeah it was the first start of the year i believe which makes it even harder because that i mean we'll talk about flight line and, and later on but it, it is a difficult distance to come back in because it's like an elongated sprint and it's not a sprint it's it's 
It's a middle distance race. It really isn't a sprint. I, I've heard people, you know, try to use the Naira mile or the cigar mile, whatever the hell they call it, plus the Met mile um, as a credential for a sprint champion. And, eh, you know, I mean. <sighs> well, yeah, the, I, I've seen some rumblings about, you know, why isn't Jackie's warrior running there? But, but it's like you said, it's not really a sprint race. <laughs> it, it's it's not. And, and um Although Jack Goldstapper won in a really impressive manner, yeah. but he didn't beat a whole lot. Of no, there was, it was, there was not one a... horse that was good in there. I forget the name. Um, was it Force Danger? Yeah, he just he, he just, just rolled on by the horse. Yeah, I mean, Force Danger really was more of a sprinter and a seven ace type of horse. <clears throat> um, and Holy Bull, when he was a three year old, and he just. Yeah. Blitz the field, which which was also a really good field. Um, Devil is Due was in there. Virginia Rapids, who was actually a pretty good miler, but more of a grade two type. <clears throat> but, I mean, he was coming off of a, a, a really poor run in the Derby. Mm-hmm. And he was probably never going to run in the Belmont. But, um, I mean, he just ran him off their feet. Cherokee Run was in there. And he outran him. I mean, that was, that was a really impressive. That that was kind of who I went for because I think that was a, a good field and it was an impressive performance. I think Ghost Sapper was really, really impressive, but he didn't really beat anything. And um, who was the fourth one? Uh, it was another one. Criminal type. criminal, criminal type. type. Yes, criminal type. The easy goer, uh, and he ran down Housebuster, who really had no excuse that day. I was there. Um, yeah, Housebuster. And it was hot that time, really hot. <laughs> Don't know how he didn't win, to be honest. And with. Housebuster got a, like I think like forty five and one or something to the half, and he looked he was clear, and, and actually criminal type was pushing Jose Santos was on him, pushing to keep up with him, and uh, Housebuster just got tired. He just uh, yeah, he just didn't get the mile. He didn't got make like it. seven and three quarters furlongs. And Easy Goer really needed that race. He had run like 12 days before in a four-horse field uh, in the mud going seven A's that he just galloped in. I mean, he was the horses were totally overmatched. But I know for a fact that they had a Chug had a hard time keeping him sound as a four-year-old. Um, and he only ran three times. He ran in the third in the Met Mile, <clears throat> where he made a little bit of a a run on the outside. Um but it wasn't really like a menacing run. He he never really looked like he was going to get there that day. And then he ran really well in the Suburban uh, like five weeks later. And that was his last race. Um, and, and he didn't really beat. The, the Suburban was, was not a, a good race that, that year either. I think it was a relatively short field. I mean, he ran great, but then he, he just, you know, he couldn't keep him sound. And he never ran again. He had bad, he had really bad ankles. Um, you know, criminal type was, he was a really good horse. The only problem with criminal type was he was a good horse and he kind of was in between, um, people were still kind of fascinated with easy going Sunday silence because of rivalry the year before. And, you know, that's who you had to kind of match up with. I mean, there was a talk this week about, um, about Gulch on, uh, Facebook actually on why he's not in the Hall of Fame. Because when you look at his credentials... He should be in. Gulch over Kona Gold. And, and I don't care. Jay Easily. Prince, you, you, can, like, you can say whatever you want about Kona Gold. Gulch would have... 
Gulch's achievements blow Kona Gold out of the water. Um, yeah. And Gulch was, was a top, top two-year-old at Saratoga who, you know, got on the Triple Crown Trail. Danced all the dances, ran. too, man. He, he ran in a lot of races, a lot of... A lot. Of, you know. he, he ran in all the Triple Crown races <clears throat> and the Met Mile in between. He won the Met Mile in during the Triple Crown Series. Didn't he yeah. run in three Breeders' Cups? Or two. Well, he ran in the Breeders' Cup as a two-year-old, and right. he actually cost him the the Eclipse Award. He had he not run, he might have won that year. I don't, uh, I don't remember all the particulars because it was a long time ago. But he had won all of his races, I think, leading up to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, <laughs> and he just didn't run any good in it. Uh, that was 1986, which was the same year Skywalker was uh, Santa Anita. Um. But he won. Uh, he won the Met Mile twice. He won the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Uh-huh. Uh, he won a bunch of. Uh, he just won. You can't compare him to Kona Gold. It's not a. It's a mismatch. It's a mismatch. And I mean, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> but um, you know, one of the things we lo- we lose in racing because there's, of course. Even today, there's still talk about, oh, the Belmont should be run at different time or different distance and modernize and all this nonsense. And one of the things that we've lost by modernizing racing, and modernizing racing is really another, is kind of like a, um, not a fancy way, but kind of a nice way of saying ruined. Ruined. Yeah. Made it so watered down so much that, you know, that we have, it, it's now acceptable that one guy runs four horses out of six in a race, and nobody's like, oh, what are you going to do? You know, geez, there's no horses, <laughs> all that bullshit. But um, the Met Mile is, is a race that is not the same. <clears throat> and yeah, there wasn't going to be any three years <clears throat> running on Memorial Day back in the Belmont, right? That wasn't, there was no more conquistador seals. We're, we're not saying that would happen. That That's, that's not going to happen again. But three-year-olds running in the Met Mile, especially if they could get weight, you know, real weight, not, not the nonsensical weights that they give now where everybody gets two pounds. Oh, we get two pounds, three pounds, you know, handicaps are. And I understand why the race secretaries do it. We have a million stakes. We have, we don't have that many stake horses. Five guys control them all, and it's like, like I said, some of these guys that the outfits that, with the big stables with all the good horses, it's like they play the game with a cheat code. And I don't mean cheat, cheat. I mean like a video game. Like they have a code you punch in, and their guys go faster. <laughs> and that's that's kind of what happens. And it just is. It sucks, but but that was always part of at least in my lifetime. The part of the allure of the Met Mile was uh, a Dixie Brass or a <clears throat> Gulch or a um, um, Holy Bull would take a shot in it. I think, did, didn't Honor and Glory, did he run in it as a three-year-old? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it didn't happen every year, but a really good three-year-old because they would get 12 or 13 pounds. And I mean, I've told the story before. I remember winning races at Churchill Downs right after Derby Week when they started riding three and up races, and they were still using scale weights. And 
it's it's a it's it's something from a long time ago, but whatever. Um, scale weights were like thirteen pounds for a three year old against older in May, and I would get Pat Day, and he could do the hundred and eight or hundred and nine pounds, <laughs> and the older horses would carry like one twenty two, one twenty three. So, uh, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s, getting Pat Day at Churchill Downs and getting, like, 12 or 13 pounds, that was like a five-length head start. <laughs> and I think Holy Bull got in at 110 or 111. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, Any advantage that he would have. And the other, you know, the the, the good horses were, maybe Broadbrush was in that race. I think Broadbrush was in the race at, like, 124. So, I mean, you're getting 13 or 14 pounds. And Jimmy Crow said after the race, they interviewed him. And he said, he goes, you know, the weight was a huge factor. I mean, we're going to be on the lead and they're going to have to come catch us. And if they're carrying that much more weight, yeah, you know, why, why not take a shot? But that's gone now because, A, they run the they run the, the Belmont um, card with the Met Mile. And the Woody Stevens has become... Um, it never gets a big field, but it always gets a good field. Uh, but it's a big, it's a big race now. It's a seven ace race, and I mean, it might even actually be better off running than a mile. Yeah. As part of my my my, my uh, campaign to to make Breeders' Cup championship races actually championship races for divisions that currently don't exist. <laughs> um, well, think about you know you know you were going through those names and and everything back <clears throat> you know when the Brutus cup first started uh you know we have horses that retire basically before their last race in the breeders cup and you were just mentioning horses that faced off against each other <laughs> breeders cup classic winners it wasn't like a big deal. And, it and, wasn't and, a big deal then, but now it's like horses wow. weren't handled like they're handled now, where it's just, you know, I'm telling you, the way horses are campaigned now in, in a lot of ways is like if Alabama could not have, didn't have to play SEC teams <laughs> and they could just pick and choose and they play, play all the state and Southwest <laughs> and, Missouri and, and, uh, you know, Indiana State and uh, Little Sisters of the Poor and you know if if they just ha- and then everybody would fawn. Oh my God, Nick Saban's so awesome! They won ninety seven to nothing. Can you imagine they scored ninety seven points? Yeah, that's like flight line versus allowance horses. They're Alabama. He's <laughs> Alabama, and uh, the the allowance horses are you know <laughs> the cupcakes. Yeah, East 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 Carolina State. Tech. Actually, East Carolina is actually pretty good. But yeah. you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And and that's the thing is like you would see the Met Mile would be a kind of a middle ground. And you would see horses like Proud Truth and Turkleman and uh you know cutting back in distance. And you would see Phillies like Lady Secret, even Pine Tree Lane tried it. She was a really fast sprinter and she just couldn't go a mile, but they tried. Um, you see the sprinters stretching out, and now 
you don't get that. You, you just don't get that anymore. None of it. None of it. Like not None even. The Met Mile should be a two million dollar race. Yeah, it's it's a really important race. It was five hundred thousand dollars in the eighties. Yeah, I think the nineteen ninety one, that criminal type one, was a half million. Yeah. What is it now? A million, I think. I think it's a million. Yeah. It should be two, two and a half. And the sad thing is, we'd still probably only get five horses. The horse shortage is way worse than everybody wants to make it out to be. It's way worse. Nobody's talking about it, but this is going to get bad, and it's going to be worse because you're going to start that year of the COVID when when people did stop. You know, there was there was a shortage of. uh, I mean, people were in. You know, we, we had a pandemic. We didn't know what the hell was going to happen. So yeah, the good horses got bred. The, the really great one mares, sure, they're going to get bred, but it's it's the other ones, and that's what we, we we're suffering. That's what we lack. I can deal with five horse grade ones when they're going to be like the Phipps's, like when they draw that race tomorrow, and you're going to have, you know, five, four or five legit grade one horses or fillies. Those are that's okay. I can deal with that. It's hard to deal with five and six horse. 7,500 claimers. Like, there's no sport at the bottom of the sport. Like, like virtually everything that happens at parks, that's not really a sport. It's a gambling venture. That's all it is. Yeah. There's not a lot of sports going on there. No one does it for the athletic competition. It's, it's, It's a gambling venture. And when the cheaper races get short fields, it sucks. Not really sure how else to say that. No, I mean, as, as a horse player, there's nothing, you know, worse than a small field of cheap claimers. Yeah, with a three to five shot. Right. And you're going to get one horse that's probably going to stand out over the rest and pay 380 and then move on. Yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not, you know. And again, we're not making uh, any groundbreaking statements here, but uh, well, I mean, you know, just as a bigger picture, you know, that was the appeal to the grass races in the winter time at Gulfstream. Cheap claimers or, you know, cheaper claimers <laughs> prior to this year. Builds on the turf, right? Exactly, prior to this year, but um that that was the the appeal for a horse player was more that than anything else. And then, you know, you occasionally get, you know, one of the big outfits that unveils like, you know, really nice horse or whatever. Um, but I mean, the bread and butter is, is or the, the 16,000 claimers on the grass with, with a field of 12. Right. Exactly. Haven't seen that in a couple of years. So, Even California used to have a, yeah. a decent group of, of, of actually higher priced claimers, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 claimers that, that just don't, you know, seems to be gone outside of maybe Del Mar. Yeah. I mean, those were, those were the ones out in California, the, the races I used to love, the, the lower end claimers going down the hill six and a half furlongs. 
Honestly, yeah. there wasn't many races better than that, like on a daily basis. Nope. I really was. <clears throat> I, I'm not a big turf sprint guy, as I've said for the 1800th time, but <laughs> those were the one races I, I liked handicapping because down the hill experience mattered. And if horses were good down the hill, didn't matter what they did everywhere else. So you would get horses coming from Hollywood running those five and a half or five. They, they were at five, I think, right? Yeah, five. So they'd run those five ace races over there and then run down the hill. It's a totally different race. And horses with bad form, you could bet. Because if they had shown good form uh, down the hill, it didn't matter what the hell the rest of their form showed. That was all that really mattered for a lot of horses, not for everybody. But I remember you get seven, eight to one sometimes on horses that, and nowadays you probably wouldn't get you know the other thing is there's i mean we talk about this and i've seen some people talk about it once in a while but it's about the information that's available now that i remember we used to have to go through the the broodmare the, the produce records to try to get like half brothers and half sisters and stuff yeah it's one click away now man now yeah <laughs> it's, it's right there it's like a lot of information we used to have to research. I remember going in, at Belmont Aqueduct or Saratoga to that they had the kiosks to get the replays. And oh you yeah, had to write it down the the race you wanted, the race number, and give uh, it to the attendant. Give it to the attendant. And they 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 put it in the they had the uh, the VHS tapes and they'd say out oh, TV number six and you go over there and you'd watch the race. Yeah, it blew my mind away when they went digital with it. Yeah, I was like, "Wow, that's crazy!" Yep, and I was also it. like a kid, so <laughs> you know, I was the only kid standing there that was under eighteen at eleven o'clock in the morning watching replays at the kiosk over by uh, the Chinese food. You know what's funny was when I was a kid, like no one ever said anything about me betting. Never. Yeah, never. Too much the only place that ever said on. anything about us being kids was Atlantic City. They threw us out. We had to watch from outside because they had some stupid rule. You couldn't go. Kids couldn't go to night racing. Yeah. Meadowlands. But um. But anyways, well, the Belmont is this week, and I mean. <clears throat> I don't like handicapping races before the fields are drawn. Well, honestly, I mean, we're going to be real about it. <laughs> it's not much to handicap. Yeah. It literally is. And I think Nick Tam put out a tweet that sums it up perfectly. It's we the people on the lead and a bunch of closers. Yeah, Bobby Flay's in on we the people. So Yeah, he's trying to get that victory under his belt. Bring the golden spatula out to Belmont on Saturday. <clears throat> he did it before. He, he got in late. Creator. Remember Creator? He bought into Creator yeah. like two days before. Two right? days before. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he got in early on this one, man. Yeah. <laughs> he got in before the Drew. His name will be on the paper. I don't know, man. 
I, I have my doubts about that horse's ability to get him on. You kind of, I, I do too, but I mean, it's just the pace scenario is going to be so lopsided. He just would. It's his race to win or lose, unfortunately, because there's nobody going to run with him early. Yeah, I, I, I kind of chuckled when <laughs> howling time to skip <laughs> Belmont. I'm like. <laughs> I got a race for Howling Time at Belmont, but it's on uh, ne- next Thursday. <laughs> 50 never went three. <sighs> Howling Time. I guess potentially, possibly, he <laughs> might have broke sharp and gone to the lead, but he, he was drubbed in all the Triple Crown preps that he tried. He was no factor, so I don't, I don't know why. He suddenly would have been running with weak people. <laughs> but, but he's not. We don't have to worry about him. Nope. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun. I mean, the big races are always kind of fun, the big days, just to see the horses. Yeah. Even, even if the betting isn't what it should be, I guess. Um, because there's going to be a couple of short fields late in the card. It's not really palatable, but yeah. Hopefully, we get something to look at rather than bet on. And and that sounds terrible to say, but that's just where we're at. Yep, no, no doubt. Bill Mott's going to need to get a obligatory a a, a, a rabbit. Yeah, I mean, th- that horse hurt my feelings last year. You know, Bell's the one worked out today at Kentucky. Instead of running, he's he's there. Sorry, Pesson, but come <laughs> on. Everybody doesn't. Nobody wants to run anymore. I mean, it's it's the better roses actually is a matchup of, of two really good horses. <clears throat> with yeah, contrasting styles except you know there's four horses in there <laughs> I mean it really goes back to what we've been harping on for a while now about trying to create a series and that makes sense I mean the way we do it sucks it's stupid it's ignorant it, and it's it's like I just don't know what other words I could use that aren't gonna, you know, piss people off. But we just throw stakes together, and and all, every track runs their own stake schedule based on their own races. Yet the trainers <clears throat> run all over the place, and, that, and that's the thing that that just doesn't make sense. And and the leadership in this business is just like completely defunct because the easiest thing that you could, I mean, you don't have to be like um, Joe freaking Hirsch <laughs> figure out that we should have some sort of pattern for our stake races, especially the grade ones. And we don't. It makes no sense the way our, our races are set up. I was looking at the sprint races yesterday. The grade ones um, the grade one sprints in this country are the Carter the Vanderbilt, yep. the Forgo, yep. yep, the Churchill Downs Handicap, 
Yep. The Bing Crosby. I'm sending you the Sprint Championship. No, no, that's a grade two. G two. Oh, okay. And uh, the Breeders' Cup Sprint. That's it. And <coughs> one's run in April. One's run in May. Two are run on July thirtieth. <laughs> um, one is run at the end of August. One's run in November. How does that time up? Time up. How does that make sense? We should run one of these every month. Right. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. November's the Breeders' Cup. April is um, the Carter. Figure it out in between. Figure it out. It's just not that difficult. And yeah, there are a couple grade ones for three-year-olds, but we're not, we're not talking about that. Because those are, you know, three-year-old races. So there's no three-year-olds who are going to take on older horses and sprint races at this time of the year. Especially like this week when the older horse stake is a grade two and the three-year-old race is a grade one. <laughs> you know, so so there you go. But, I mean, like that is something, if I was the Breeders' Cup, I would, instead of having these... I get it's the Breeders' Cup, right? The breeders, the owners. I, I get that. And I understand the win and you're in thing or whatever kind of weird changes they made that I'll be honest, don't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but I, I really haven't put a whole lot of thought into it other than look at it and try to figure out why they would say this is going to create rivalries. It just seems a little weird because there's some races that clearly should be winning your ends or clearly are winning your ends because horses that have won like the Travers are never going to not get in the Breeders' Cup Classic, but but wouldn't you be better off with a series of races that culminates well, it seems natural event? You know, like, like the NCAA tournament does right. where there's a regular season and you have feature games. Nobody wants to see Gonzaga played Portland State. But if you put Gonzaga and Kansas in a game, then people will watch it. Therefore, you will get more interest in your product. Make the races make a series. The only really entity that can make this happen is the Breeders' Cup. I mean, people, they still don't get that the tracks don't look at the other tracks as partners. They look at them as competitors. They're competing for the gambling dollar because they all have their own ADWs. They're competing for the horses. <clears throat> Little known fact, a lot of the tracks are, will tell you as a trainer, if not a big trainer, of course, because they do whatever they want, but they will tell as you as a trainer, you're not allowed to ship off the grounds if you're stable there for a race. Maybe that suits you better somewhere else. And people say, well, how can they do that? Blah, 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 blah. Well, how can they do that? You're, you're stable <laughs> on their grounds. Therefore, you know, if you want to follow their rules. Well, course, you know, the owners, so, you know, the owners are going to say, I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'm sending the horse over. I'll send it to a different trainer. Trainer, it's, it's, um, it's uh, stable over the, on the other side of the river, if that's a problem. And like I said, yeah, the traders, they don't care. What are you going to do to them? Nothing. They can't do anything to them because they created, they made them into monsters. And now 
Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the thing that, that has me thinking is they're sticklers for that, but not for stall space. <laughs> so they don't, you know. I know. And, and now stall space is like, it used to be at a premium. It's not at a premium <clears throat> anymore. Maybe at like Churchill Downs where they run, you know, $120,000 maiden raises. Huh. But <laughs> most other racetracks have stalls available. I mean, honestly, if you own horses, it's a great time to own horses. The money's never been better. The fields have never been smaller. There's, I mean, let's face it, some of the races, when you when you run up against the big boys, you got no shot. But they don't always run. <laughs> they don't always run. Right, they don't show up all the time. <laughs> no. They're not running them horses Take twice a month. There. So... It's really a good time to own horses. And of course, like, if you don't listen to this show, you would never know that because nobody's promoting it. I mean, there's small promotions here that Texas is actually doing um, uh, something. The Texas Breeders, I believe. I, I don't, I want to, I don't want to miss giving credit to someone. So, admit. Some sort of Texas horseman's organization has hired a guy that used to be the looks like the safety for the Cowboys. And I'm old and I have Alzheimer's, so I can't remember his name. But um, you know they're doing some stuff, and you know it's funny you you texted me the uh, the owner view, the Jockey Club thing in, in Saratoga, which will probably have about fifty people. But that's all they do. Like this should be a constant theme. Run Fox, right? Run TV. Why aren't they running ads? Why don't, why don't they do promotions? Hey, you know what you should do? You should buy a horse. And not micro shares. <clears throat> if you want to buy a micro share, you're either a ninny or you just want to burn your money. And I'm sorry if you bought one, but that's the truth. You're not an owner. You're, you're part of a club. You're in a fan club. That's that's what you are in. And I, if, and, and I take it back if you really only have the 120 bucks. And if that's all you really have, that's fine. But I'm talking about real owners, people that make investments in the business, that buy horses and campaign them. And that doesn't mean you have to do it alone. I'm not saying that at all, but I mean we'll we'll have to start doing our weekly stakes recap, highlighting horses that weren't very expensive as um Wheelings, foals, yearlings, or two-year-olds, or were homebreds by stallions that aren't um, into mischief. And we were doing that last summer, and every week we would have four or five stake horses, stake winners, that were reasonably priced horses, or were bred on along lines that were modest. And yeah, there's more stakes in the summer than there are any time of the year. But I mean, how many people listen to this show? You know, a lot less than watch Fox. And how much effort does it really take? But I will say this right now, and the the, the 
one of the mind-numbing things in a business that's built upon numbers is that nobody seems to have the number of racehorses we have in training right now. You ask any executive, and I'll bet you they'll tell you they don't. They tell me that, that, that stalls they got filled at their track. Nobody knows the overall number. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy if you really think about it. I mean, we know how many foals. You know how many horses make starts at the end of the year when they compile all the stuff after the fact. But ongoing, no one really knows. And I am guarantee you it's less than people think because there's too many tracks with too many empty stalls. And you talk to racing secretaries and believe me, they're all hurting. Virtually every track is hurting for horses. And yet nobody's even promoting this stuff. So, <clears throat> so anyways, so um, so I talked to a friend of mine who might be an announcer at, at a track in the Midwest. And he's very high in flight line in the Met Mile. On who? On flight line. And I told him, and I won't say his name, but you can figure out who he is. I know who it is. But... Um, and, you know, he's a he's still a California guy at heart. <laughs> but um, I told him, I said, my friend, I do not bet on horses like that. I bet against horses like that. If they beat me, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll be okay at the I'll, one. I'll clap my hands and congratulate <laughs> him. And, and you know, I'll be okay if I miss out on that Katie and everybody. But but you know, he's he told me four to five is a good price on that horse. No way, he's gonna be four to five. I think it'll be less. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be less than that. Yeah, I'm betting against that horse. Every time. And maybe he's ghost zapper, and maybe he just blows away Speaker's Corner and whatever other horses in the race. Aloha West, I guess. But. Yeah. They, they, I mean, that could be a three-horse race, right? Pretty much. I mean, no, like literally, there might only be three listed. <clears throat> if that happens, that's ridiculous. But because some of the other guys that entered horses in there aren't the type of guys that are going to, you know, quote unquote, help them out because they don't give a shit because they don't have to. I mean, there's only like 11 nominated. And I think Pletcher nominated like three. Well, you know, there, there's like, honestly, unless you're going to plunk down like you know five figures on a horse like that to win or something <laughs> there's really no upside to it there's no upside to playing a horse like that ever no I mean what, what upside is there there isn't any and it was funny a, a couple, a few years ago, and this is a, <laughs> this is a, something that's that's kind of stuck with me. Where somebody made a horrifically bad bet in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, and the reason it sticks with me is because it was it was on Dennis's moment. Who, you know, I don't know if. If you follow me on Twitter, you you understand. I tweet out every time that it's a good day to bet against Dennis's moment. 
Yeah. But even in a in a in a tournament like that, they put every penny they had on that horse in the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> and he didn't run a step. I mean, he broke bad, but clearly he wasn't as good as anybody thought, you know. And he's not a bad horse by any means, he just doesn't win. Right. Um, but you know, there's no upside to that. The horse was one to nine that day. You wouldn't have even doubled up. <laughs> so why even do it? It just makes no sense. Unless you're 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 spending like huge chunks of money, like big, like almost bridge jumper type stuff. There's a lot of bad favorites. I mean, oh yeah, there's always bad favorites, but I mean, you really have to be selective on how you use them in the whole scheme to turn out a profit or make money. You know, you can't just bet all favorites. You're not going to make any money. No, and but I think it also goes back to like passing on races and passing on sequences. It's just be like, nah, this is sometimes. You just have to pass. I mean, if right, it looks just... like it's going to be three chalks, then you know, unless you really feel strongly about one of them um, getting beat, and you can get, maybe get a, a bomb in there, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all about risk versus reward. And I mean, I think that that's I catch myself doing that sometimes, and I just play too many races. I just start playing races because I say, ah, oh, that horse is actually a pretty good value at that price. And then I'm like, yeah, but he's really not a very good bet. <laughs> like, yeah, his price, like he, he was 15 to one and he probably should have been eight to one, but like, I don't really love him any, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can yeah, kind of talk yourself into betting those horses. And that's then like all the, of a sudden, the one thing that can trip you up as a handicapper or yeah. you know, as a you do better. That three or four times a day. And it's like, right. And then you're like, if you Dang. don't hit anything, then you're down further than you should be. And if you do, then it cuts into your profits because you're just, and, and it's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with taking a, a flyer a little bit on, on, a, on an action bet. You know, if, no, and that's, that's, you know, what you know, you, like we, oh. like when we're betting the amateurs, <laughs> the metal hands. Hey man, that, that is, I, I get, your I, I, I got you. I got you an eight to one. You, you did get me an eight to one the other day. It was a miracle. But it, it it did it did cash. I don't know how. I don't think they know how. Um, I don't think so either. But you but know, I gave it to you races, plenty of time. It's hard to make. Like it's really hard to send it in those races because you just don't trust those guys. Know what the hell they're doing, and they, you know, for the most part, they don't. They don't. <laughs> guys get parked from the two hole, and somehow the eight's on the lead, but the guy from the two hole ended up getting parked tomorrow. Well, that's why I like those races, to be honest with you, because they don't know what they're doing, and you can get a lot of chaos. And you can't take a short price in those races. You know, it's tough. Even when, you know, they're on the best horse, they don't get the best drive, and they lose. (laughs) And that factors into it. That's why I like seeing those kind of races, especially early on, because you can kind of, you know, almost like in, in college basketball, when you go, play on the road and, and win a game that you're not really supposed to win. It's kind of one of those deals where, you know, it was like I snuck one in there, got out with, with something that probably 
you know, if it were regular drivers, that horse might be a lot less. So you kind of have to shop around and figure out, you know, where the advantages are. And it's tough. You know, you got to have a plan. It's just not, you know, something that happens on the fly, although it can. I've seen people do it, but usually with races like that, you need a you need to focus and a plan. Yeah. Or at least know what you're getting with the whole field. Like if you know that this race is going to be just bananas, then you can kind of, you know, kind of freewheel it and and do some, you know, out of the box kind of things. And that's how people hit big, big tickets. Yeah. You know, it, one of the most underrated skills, and I've always said this, one of the most underrated skills is evaluating a race to be chaos or formful. And if you can figure out the chaos races and get it right, <clears throat> you know, that, that can make your day easily, even if it's just one race. But it's more of a concentration on, on betting and your betting acumen than it is your, your handicapping. You know, you can analyze a race and think that it might be nuts and, you know, the favorites run one, two, three. Right. <laughs> right, right. No, it's, it's, it's very true. I mean, like you take the example of the, the stake at Belmont this weekend with Emmanuel. And that to me, like he was a single in there. And that um, the price was going to suck compared to what it should be. But he was, there was no speed in the race. And the three year old turf horses are not any good. Right. That was, I mean, that was, none that. of them are any good. They're all slow. It's, it's, I mean, the, the numbers they're running are essentially. Um, like yesterday at, at Churchill in a maiden race, horses running just about as fast as those horses. One of them still a maiden, and one of them broke his maiden. But they're not very much faster than maidens. And Emmanuel is, it was on the dirt, of course. And Pletcher seemed like he was on the derby trail with him begrudgingly. <laughs> like It seemed like he knew that the horse was really a turf horse, and but he felt like, you know, for the owners, yeah, give them what um, they want. Stake, they had to give him a shot. I mean, plus, I mean, listen, election is a four hundred thousand dollar race. Nothing wrong with winning four hundred thousand dollar races. Um, but uh, I mean, it, it was one of those cases where, like, the price wasn't great, but um, I didn't really like anybody else and. So that's yeah, it was uh, one of those. He was the best horse by attrition. Everybody else didn't look good, and he he looked the best of the rest. And, and, and he had a huge pace advantage. Huge pace advantage. There was no way he wasn't getting to the front. So I, I think um, I think the, the they can declare the the three dollar. <clears throat> Sunday closing pick three. Yeah. yeah, that. Yeah, it's a dud. It's a dud. It's a dud because they made it a dud. 
and they have um, they have another pick three available on the same three bases. That's um, a dollar. It's a dollar, and it's uh, and they started off on the wrong foot. I mean, the concept is still good, but let's not forget that the the reason the Keenlands works number one is because a lot of people focus on Keeneland, and it's just that's just the way it is. Number two, it's an all turf pick three, um, and number th- number three is a, it's a, a a non you know fifty center. It's it's a higher minimum, and the but the fourth part and and maybe the most important part is it's fifteen percent takeout. It's a low takeout not a little bit lower it's low takeout and and that's like the part that that just was missed um in this situation and i hope that they just revamp it and 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 really drop the minimum because not excuse me leave the minimum and drop the drop the takeout i mean they they dropped it from i mean the takeout's too high in new york it's still too high it's still too high. I mean, it's fine on win, place, and show. And I mean, even the way they do the pick five, where it's it's fifteen percent until a different time, then it's twenty. I mean, that makes no sense. You're getting lots and lots and lots of slot money. You're you're throwing million dollars at, at you're you're basically putting Charlie Appleby's kids through college by funding, uh, you know layup lines for for his turf horses those are all new races million 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 like there's plenty of money there there's plenty (laughs) of money in new york lower the takeout and i'm sure that the 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 comment against would be well they're already betting it and uh you know no it, it it you're they will do better betting on your races people will do better if you lower the takeout they'll win more don't you want your customers to win more because if they win more they'll bet more and it's not like they need it well it it begs the question of why they why did they even create it if it wasn't really going to help anything or did they just not know or they're just like, oh, we'll just do it because they're doing it. I'm not, I'm and not, it but looks I'm talking good. in general, Barry. Their 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 takeouts are still too high. Oh yeah, I mean, pick three is twenty four percent. That's that's too much. That's way too much. When it should be less than twenty, to be honest, it should be less than twenty. And that, and that, I guess that's my point is that. Uh, and this isn't just a Naira thing. Obviously, it's 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 everywhere. I mean, Churchill Downs is rarely a friend to the player, but. There's too many people that are just willing to say, oh, you know, geez, well, eh, they're going to bet it anyways. <laughs> no, they're not. 25% of the money at least is computer money this in this country. At least. 25%. Maybe Crunk will tell me I'm wrong and it's 20%. <laughs> Still, that's two and a half, three billion. Take that out of the pools. Let's see where we're at. We're in free fall. Remember, we're comparing 
20 years ago, there was no computer money or very, very, very little. So we're almost comparing apples to oranges now. We don't know where the freaking money comes from. It's hard to run comparisons. Not that really anybody's out there doing that either. Except Crunk and, and you know, nobody listens. <laughs> it's like beating your head against the wall. But, you know, I, I don't know, just looking at how things are shaping up for Saturday, you know, it's it's not a great card, um, you know, even, even in the past couple of years, even COVID year, we had better cards um, with no fans. <laughs> uh but it's like, you know, that it really should shake some trees, you know. Looking at this card on Saturday, it's not that good. No. Kind of disappointing in a, in a way because usually, you know, at least the last few years, I'd say last five or so, you know, the giant Belmont Stakes Day card has been excellent for the most part. This one is really a downer. I guess my point is that I'm not looking forward to it as a as as much as you normally would be. Yeah, yeah. Even in a, a non triple crown year, which most years are not triple crown years. Right. So that 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 really isn't a big deal. It's it's just the quality of it is not good. Even even the the Belmont is not that great compared to what we had in the Derby. No, the you Derby know. card and the Derby days, the the Oaks it's Derby unique. day cards yeah. were <clears throat> were outstanding, and I think part of that is because the racing in Kentucky is is good. There's the barns are full, the money is off the charts. Um, the racing in New York's not. It's not 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 great. I mean, um, you know. A couple guys dominate the claiming races. A couple guys dominate the turf races. A couple guys dominate the maiden races. And then you don't get those 10, 12 horse fields. And that's, you know, there's no middle class in New York. And they really don't, I, I'm not going to say they don't care, but. They may not understand, like, you, it's so difficult for me to say this without, like, really being insulting, but I'm going to say it. Most racing executives have no understanding of not just their customers, the betters, but they don't understand the backside. Because you know where they go to get their advice from? The top guys. (laughs) Which is absurd. Of course. You should be examining your backside. You should know 
Like and, and, what you should do. This is what I would do if I and, and here I go giving more free advice to the tracks. But go through your 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 backside. Go through your trainers and grade them. There's an A trainer, Chad Brown, Todd Pletcher, Bill Mott, Chris Plumhoff. This is a B trainer. This is a C trainer. The small guys. There's not that many B trainers. There used to be tons of them. I don't want to insult anybody. No, but, but I, I get I get what you're saying though, because it'll 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 show you the landscape of the, the competition. Exactly. And and exactly. and that's that's paramount in this game because otherwise you you're gonna get four horse fields with two of them or three or four of those horses being a trainers. So I mean Every- and you gotta remember the the sea level trainers, they have sea level horses. So they're never gonna pee in your A level races except for once in a while there's a fluke in like a Randy Persado or on some some horse, some starter horse in a, in a race to, to make it. So, so that's, that's, um, you know, that, that's the thing is, um, why do people text me this time that day? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I don't know how to turn the ringer off without turning the sound down. So dang it. I don't have a 12 year old here to like show me how to use my damn phone and an iPad. But um, but that's the thing is is you got to where the B level trainers have almost no A level horses, and I can tell you that very simply by looking at the fields for the stakes. Right. Right. B level trainers are in those stakes. As a matter of fact, in some of the turf stakes, if it wasn't for out of town guys shipping in, there would be no representation outside of the the two or three guys with all the horses. I mean, that's like to me that jumps out on the page, but nobody's addressing it. I would hire me. <laughs> I'd hire you. No, but I mean, it, it just seems only natural, like common Seriously, sense. Seriously, I would. I would hire me and say, "Okay, tell me how, what can I do? How can how can we fix this?" So, well, first of all, you guys got to realize you, you you got this problem. Look at your stakes. Take out the new guys who don't stable New York out. Look at your stake races then. You're New York. You're Naira. You got a casino in Queens that pumps out, I don't know, $6 billion a year. <laughs> you got all these stake races. You got all the history. You got the facilities. And it's not as though they don't do a good job in a lot of areas. But their backsides are are falling apart, and all, and, and it's like they're missing it, and they're not the only one. The track down south is having the same problem. Well, that's the thing is they should have a whiteboard with this information on it at all times, and and maintaining the A's, the B's, the C's. So Talk you know, no have, one, no one is a man. Any track has it's thought not of that hard. No one at any track has thought of that. It's not that difficult. And this is me talking like, you know, I, I know as much about that as you tell me. <laughs> oh, it, it's just, you it, know, it's, it's apparent in the entries. Right. I've, I've compl- 
I complain, but I've argued with people for years when they mm-hmm. think short fields are because of horsemen. No, short fields aren't because of horsemen. There's no trainers out there below the top, the super trainers, below the big, big guys that don't want to run all the time if they can. They want to run. They want to run. Right. That's how they put food on the table. They want to run. But the problem is that everybody wants to judge them now. And everybody wants to say, oh, well, you need five weeks between races because that's the modern horse, blah, 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 blah. Well, if, if you got a 14 clamor, you don't need five weeks between races. Maybe, and they don't maybe, run that maybe way. Maybe you would. Maybe you need two months or three months between races, depending on you know the soundness level. But it's like, those guys want to run? You don't campaign New York bred and Dayton 25s. You run them. You want to hit the board, earn checks, get money. That's the whole point of having big purses. But it doesn't work that way because 7% of the backside controls 90% of the good horses. And they only run them one or two at a time. And, and that's like, they throw money at stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, you, you could make the, I've had owners talk to me and say, wow, you see the purses that's, uh, you know, so-and-so. I'm like, your horses can't win those purses. <laughs> they could make those purses $10 million. We can't win it. It doesn't matter if you cannot win it. You know, the purse money is only important to the trainer and the owner, the connections, if they have a viable chance of getting a piece of it. Even fourth. Even fourth. And and that's the thing. That's what that's what the people don't understand. That the backside is not equal. It's not equal. There's no equality to this. You, people compare it to sports. Oh, well, in sports, this is not sports. A, we're not a real sport. This is not <laughs> a real sport. This is not a sport. Nothing that happened today at any thoroughbred track or any harness track, for that matter, is actual sport. It, it just isn't. Not compared to real sports. Secondly, in real sports, the difference between the worst team and the best team is minimal. Yeah, there's bad franchises that make bad decisions, but they still have good players. They still have uh, facilities. They're still teams are still worth billions of dollars. The difference between the better teams in in our sport, between the Chad Brown's barn and between uh, you know some sea level guys' barn, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a joke. The sea level guy has zero horses that can that could beat that guy's horses and god forbid they ever come along with something like two-year-old that looks impressive the big guys buy them up but that's the thing is the the, the gulf is is gigantic and it's getting bigger and everybody just tries to find these powder puff solutions just like the triple crown oh if we spread it out longer oh and then travis stone actually put a tweet out there today and he's like yeah you know there's just three horses from the Belmont or from the, the Derby in the Belmont, <laughs> you know, there's three. So the spacing obviously wasn't the problem, you know, space, 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 my ass, <laughs> you know, that'll yeah. be a t-shirt. We got to make a t-shirt. Sure. 
<laughs> but um, it's it's the truth. It's the truth, and and stop with this noise about the triple crown. Just shut up about that. Leave it alone. It's the only damn thing in this sport that's actually works. Yeah, we get publicity. The the cards between the the Derby and Oaks cards, the Preakness cards, the two days, and the Belmont two days. It's like a half a billion dollars of handle. It's three days or five, six days, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. People and you remember I, I we talked about this last week. You remember how hostile people got when when they, they came to distance to the Belmont during a freaking pandemic when the Belmont was run as the first race. More people were pissed off about the the distance than the than the Belmont run, running first. People were like unreasonably pissed off about that. Yeah, they were salty. I remember that. I mean, and that was like the most extreme <clears throat> circumstance we could come up with. If I said to you, hey, we're, we're going to be in a worldwide pandemic and racing is going to shut down for six weeks except for Fonner Park. I mean, it's like a, a script that no one would believe it could ever happen, and it, except it did happen. And then we said, well, you know what? We're going to run the Belmont in, in, uh, you know, in, in a traditional spot, but the Derby's going to be in September and the Preakness is going to be in October. And we're gonna make it a mile and he's oh my god, are you kidding me? It's supposed to be the test of champions. Blah, blah. These horses haven't run in months. It was such a wild time. But like the, but I think the key to that is that you saw people's feelings on that. And that is important because when you if you if if you care about something. I mean, think about how, how sometimes you view sports that, like when I was a kid, right? I was a fanatical baseball fan, a fanatical yeah. sports basketball fan. I would watch every single game. Yeah, me too. Every day. <laughs> and then, you know what? You get to college and you kind of pick and choose. And, and and then, you know, you have to work for a living and you're working like a slave. And all of a sudden, you know, you might, <laughs> you might lose track of the standings for a couple of days. Well, when we, we chase people away, when we make them not care as much because we keep changing it. And we're not changing it for... I mean, if you told me that we could change Triple Crown and handle would go up 25% and ratings for TV, which aren't really that important monetarily, but are important exposure-wise because these are the three races that everybody knows, that the sports page follows, that the sports editors follow, that everybody's going to put the the Belmont winner, the Preakness winner, the Derby winner. They're going to get at least a, a splurge of, of coverage, right? If you told me that we would get better ratings and, uh, I mean, I guess they can't, li- they literally can't get more people in these places. Well, I'm not sure what the hell the deal with the Preakness is and why they don't want people there anymore, which seems bizarre to me, but whatever. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Belmont is capping the thing. Um, and Derby Week, you know, Derby, they get 150,000 people. But if you told me, yeah, we're going to increase handle 25% and, and we're going to get better ratings, then I would say, you know what, let's do it. But the fact of the matter is, it might go the other way. Right. It might decrease everything. I was thinking the other day about the NBA Finals. Man, the difference between, you know, like from game, like you get used to watching the games every night. 
because they're playing every other night. Every teams are the games are every other night. Yeah, the West like- Coast teams are are, are Mondays uh, and Wednesdays, and the East Coast are Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then they go to the finals and they play a game. They don't play for three, four days. Once a week, <laughs> right? And I mean, honestly, it, it showed in the play last night. But yeah. but that it's it's almost. I, I was thinking that Saturday. I was like, man, like the game it seemed like it was so long ago already because it had been a couple of days. And you take the the Belmont, and you 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 put that two months after the Derby. I mean, it's gonna be. In the middle of the summer, I just think you're going to lose people's attention span. Yeah, it's too far. Remember when the NBA Finals were like a week long? Yeah. When they played back-to-back. Yeah, they played back-to-back. The only days they had off was, was <laughs> when they changed cities. Right, when they had the travel day. <laughs> and, and now it's all run by TV. I mean, let's face it, they're, they're going on late at night because they want to get the West Coast. You know, they're going to get the East Coast people for at least three hours. They want to get the West Coast people because they don't want to start the games at 5 o'clock in the afternoon during drive time in, in California, which, you know, that's that's the price you pay when you sign contracts that pay you $25 billion, right? <laughs> you leave $25 billion, guess what you're going to do? You're going to play the games when they tell you to play games. Um, but that's the other thing is, is the five weeks works. It just works. It's like 60 feet, six inches. It works. I don't know why they decided the mount should be 60 feet, six inches, but it works. <sighs> Someone on Twitter was talking about, you know, the, the Belmont distance isn't set in stone. Then he, he went back to 1925. Yeah, that was the last time I was running a other than a mile and a half, other than in a pandemic. <laughs> I said, yeah, they used to jump center after every basket in basketball, too. And the, and the fielders used to leave their gloves out in the field, too, in the 20s. <laughs> uh, it just is, is like, there's no evidence. To, there's, there's no evidence that, that's been produced as of yet that would say, Hey, this is gonna make this better. Other than just conjecture, oh my God, horses aren't. Uh... And you know the funny thing is, you even even the trainers, the trainers that you would think would be likely to say, uh, the, the actually the trainers that would benefit from it going uh, further, Pletcher, Mark Cassie, uh, Chad Brown, uh, Shug, all these guys, they all said leave it, leave it alone, don't change it. I mean, these are the guys with the horses that everyone's saying, oh, well, they need more time. They're saying it's, <laughs> it's, it's one series. It's three races. Just leave it. Stop talking about it. Yeah. Reason Done with that nonsense. Done with that shit. <laughs> so I'll be in... Uh, I'll be in the vicinity of Belmont Park this weekend. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. If you need to see me, I'll be around. You never know. Might make it over to the Meadowlands. Oh, man. You got to do that. I could do that next week, too. See, that would be probably more exciting for me than actually going to Belmont. At yeah, the, the problem is the Meadowlands starts so early now. So, like, yeah, the it's Belmont Meadowlands doubleheaders is much more difficult to do. Right? It's like 6.30, isn't it? 
Well, officially quotes them at six twenty, and they usually go off like six thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate post drag. It was funny the other day. Pete I helped on Twitter because of the impending storm. Uh, we won't be post dragging, and of course, you know, people just shit on him for it. <laughs> He's just the messenger, you know. But you know the thing about it is, though, post drag works. People don't like it, but you know what? When they stop dragging, they handle less. Went down. Yep. So bet earlier. But nobody wants to bet earlier. I don't know. I, I've always said this too. Uh, the post drag only annoys me when I'm at home. At the track, I don't even notice it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because you're at home, you're sitting, you're looking at the screen. Come on. Right. And you're like, what the hell, man? <laughs> but at the track, like, at the track, I don't even notice. Right. Because there's some guy that that mammoth is screaming at the top of his lungs, come on, Paco. <laughs> Yeah, Paco can't lose. You don't get that at home, you know. Paco Paco won the first five yesterday. So Curatolo won five too. Did he win five or four or five? Five. First three, and then two later on. He used to ride at Mammoth Curatolo. Yeah, he did. I think he rode. He won five races total when he was riding there. He got mad at me. He worked a horse for me. <laughs> he got mad because I didn't put him on the horse. I was like, dude, you you, you rode the four horse in the race. You know, how was the seven? <laughs> didn't I work that horse? Yeah, but you're riding another horse in the race. <laughs> hey, yeah, we can't do that. Talk to your agent. You know, I asked him. He told me he had a horse in the race. What do you think? I pulled the backside to see who else you, you had in the race and said, oh, yeah, I'll get Cortolo to ride the horse so I don't have to ride him. Then I rode him on a horse and then uh, finished second. Mm. I don't know why I remember that. I don't know why, but but I do. But you know what it goes to show you though? It's for for jockeys. Um, it's really opportunity. And and listen, there's jockeys that aren't any good. Like <laughs> like that guy bet in Indiana two weeks ago that oh abandoned man. the rail on the turf to go to the, to go in between horses in the seven path. But um, and yeah, there's some guys who are exceptionally good, no, no doubt, no doubt. But more than, more often than anything, it's about the horses they're riding. You put them on live horses, they're gonna win. Well, you know my motto: the more nondescript, the better, because they're not gonna get bet, and I'm okay with that. But you run the risk of a questionable ride. Oh, but I'm telling you, there, there's but, a lot of there's a lot of jockstrooms where the tenth leading rider could be the maybe first. he wouldn't be the top guy, but he could be the second or third guy if he rode the horses. The guy who's second or third guy, and I, I know the argument is well, there's a reason that guy's riding these, and that guy's riding. Yeah, sometimes the reason is he's got a bad agent. Right. Sometimes the, the reason is, um, you know, no one's giving him a shot. <clears throat> Or, or the guys who are, you know, who are second, third in standings are, are riding for one big outfit that they're uh, kicking back money to. The biggest outfit in the world does that. So, 
you know, remember one thing. The most important athlete in horse racing is the horse. The horse. It is the horse. But, um, but, but still, I mean, good riders are good riders. And I don't want to contradict myself, but, but no, there's, there's a lot of riders that, that, that smaller tier tracks that they could do fine. <clears throat> I mean, what, look at uh, Edwin Gonzalez. Right. He came he from the national, went down south, and he's, he's didn't miss a step. Like, no. he didn't miss a beat at all. Nope. Uh, remember Rafael Hernandez? He was riding at freaking Fairmont. Mm-hmm. And Wesley Ward happened to be watching it on one Tuesday afternoon. Next thing you know, he's he's one of the you know I don't know I don't follow Canadian racing much, but he's up there doing good. There's a lot of examples of it. I remember Jose Lescano was was that. Uh, was it Calder? He'd lost his buggy. Was it Calder? He was he was riding two, three horses a week. Until Jay Bidas got him. Jay brought him to Tampa, got him going. He's in the top ten every year now. Blew up the tote the other day. Yeah, look at him. Look at Rispoli. Rispoli came and people say, "Well, you know, he's not. He's not that good. He's not that." I said, "You guys missed the point. He's riding twenty to one shots." He's not going to win because he's riding 20 to one shots. <laughs> you know, he, he came and you know, he didn't get the mouse he thought he was going to get. Not right away. No. And, you know, he went back because you go back out and he's riding, he's riding favorites. You ask any jockey. You ride, you ride favorites, you're going to do good. You don't ride favorites, you're not going to do good. Just the way it is. I mean, it's not much different from trainers, but trainers can screw horses up too. <laughs> There's a lot of bad trainers. Believe me, trainers can screw horses up way worse than jockeys can. Jockeys can only screw up a race. Trainers can screw up everything. But there are plenty of good trainers out there who just aren't getting an opportunity as well. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it many times about when I was training, when I first started out, I had, I had a lot of B-string horses for big outfits, and we did good with them. Um, and you know what? Th- those provided you uh, with a, to make a, the ability to make a living, and it also provided more horses in the entry box because they weren't all with big trainer. And a smaller trainer is much more likely to run a horse than a big trainer is. The big trainer only wants to run when he's going to be one of the favorites. Go through, and this would be an interesting um, study, but but look at the biggest trainers and how many long shots they race. And then go through the long shots. How many of them are in um, Breeders' Cup-type races where you have no other choice, or they're part of an uncoupled entry where the trainer has a really short-priced horse, and maybe they just need one in there to make it go. Or they have 13 horses in the same division, and they literally have to run. Have to run them. Yeah. Somewhere, right? They don't enter many horses that aren't going to be the favorites. 
a smaller trainer is more apt to enter the horse because it's more important to them. Point blank. That's not a that's not a knock against big trainers. Big trainers don't have to. Yeah, because they kind of win by attrition. They just overwhelm everybody else with the amount of entries and races that they have good horses for. Well, the racing office can't do anything to them. Right. And the owners, they, they don't particularly have to listen to them. Not, it's not that they ignore them, but they're going to give them a song and dance. Hey, I, I don't want to run. You, you want to run when you're 15 to 1? The owner is mostly likely going to say no. It's to you to be 15 I could have left him with, you know, I charges 90 a day instead of paying 140 a day to be 15 to 1. I, I, I run with you, so, so 9 to 5. So, you know, they go along with the program. I mean, these are just the little things that happen. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. that. That occur, and it, it's... I wouldn't want that if I was an owner. I want the guy that, that's going to put me below the radar <laughs> so I can make a score. Yeah, but you also bet Australian harness, and you're a regular what? in the the why, 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 the always, and... why always jabbing at me about that? No, I'm not jabbing. <laughs> I'm just making the point that you're, you're not, you know, you're not a, uh, uh, you're not like Run, a great, you're not a great coupon uh, of the better. <laughs> <laughs> You'll put any mustard on, man. <laughs> Branches, baby. <laughs> it's yellow. It's going on there. It's That's fine. Right. <laughs> hey, you noticed what I noticed about the races in, in uh, New Zealand, the harness races? The horses don't have the N at the end of their name. <laughs> no. I was like, hey, why is that? <laughs> Probably because the horses, at... the horses here don't have U.S. at the end of the name. <laughs> right. This is a home game. Oh. I talked about. I talked to someone, to my friend before Stuart Morris called me about something and talk about New Zealand. And I said, we should bring horses up from, from down from down under. Like the dude, I said, you know, in the standard breads, in the big races for the older horses, not, not like the trotters or stuff, but the older horse pacing races, the, the horses from New Zealand, they're, they win like half the races. <laughs> In the U.S., like you never see a horse in New Zealand, and you rarely see horses from Australia. And he he made a good point. He said, "Well, you know, the problem is over there in that that hemisphere that the guys from Hong Kong come down and buy a bunch of them, and they're willing to, you know, really overpay." And that's a that's an excellent point. There is no Hong Kong of harness, so so then what? The big big money in harness is actually in trotters. The Swedes, but um, they don't really do a lot of trotters in in, <clears throat> in the southern hemisphere. It's mostly pacers. Yeah, I often wondered. I said, "Man, we go to Australia, buy like twenty horses, and put them on a boat, and bring them over here." And... <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it, it used to be it used to be economical to go to South America and buy horses, but now that's not economical anymore. No. Nah. Now they want crazy money because they know some guys will pay it. Yeah, Ron McAnally. Oh, Ron McAnally was the the king. 
Yeah. Candy ride. Siphon. Or candy ride. Candy ride. People forget candy. Candy ride was undefeated. Yeah. He was three for three down there. And he was three for three here. He won he won a grade one on the dirt. He won greatest eighth in the turf. I think I said this to you and Sid. I was like I still that was like that Pacific classic was just mind blowing for me. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable that race. 123 buyers. And he was by Ride the Rails. <laughs> and and Ride the Rails, I remember as a three year old, he was uh he was in South Florida. He was kind of a kick around horse. Like he was he was like a B level type of three year old. And he wound up going to South America to, to stud and he, he was the stallion, he was the the sire of Candy Ride, who's come to America and you know, kicked ass. Candy Ride was not um I, I don't think he stood for more than like twenty thousand when he first started. You know, probably partly because he was by Ride the Rails and he only had six starts, but and he certainly became a good a good sire. Really good sire. You know, we've made it 90 minutes and we haven't said the 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 uh the R word. Not doing it. <laughs> Not using them on a ticket, are you? Nah. Nah. Cassiana. Yeah. Not even not even um, on my radar. And people are amazed at that, which is crazy to me, but that's fine. I don't see what's so crazy about it. I mean, this race is like I think I think it's just I think a part of it is the buzz, like you know, you just see you see them all the time, and people just fall in love with it when you know it, it was just like almost like the illusion of the race itself, the Derby itself. I mean, this race has about a hundred and eighty <clears throat> degree um, different race shape than the Derby did. Like, it would seem very unlikely that we're going to get some wild speed duel on the lead here. Um, like you said earlier, it's, uh, one main speed and, and a bunch of guys chasing and I don't know. Well, that's, that's, you know, one of the, one of the things that that's crazy about this game is, you know, you gotta be mentally <laughs> prepared to, to take that stand wherever it is, you know, and it's it's tough because you know you get a lot of noise, you know. I think people are falling in love with the story and everything else, but they're not really focusing on the facts, so to speak. The fact of the matter is, it took literally a bunch of horses to scratch to get that one in. Then you had the fastest quarter in the points error era. Fastest first quarter in the points era for this to happen to me, and this is just me thinking 
there's no way they can recreate that. I mean, unless they entered a rabbit or something, somebody just hauls off and runs as fast as they can as far as far as they can. Well, you know, the other thing is that um, he, he's going to be an underlay here. I mean, he's going to be over bad. It was an underlay in the Derby at eighty to one. That's what I mean. But I mean, betting horses who are eighty to one their last race, the next race taking them at five to two, three to one. I missed that boat. That that yeah I'm, that that doesn't seem like it. I missed uh, it already. I'm done with that. <laughs> I don't want to go all ITP here, but that doesn't seem like a winning strategy. No, it's not. <laughs> I already missed the boat, yes. man. Taking seven dollars uh, on a horse from a guy that does Reed ever won a race in at Belmont? I don't. I don't. Got think a trainer so. and a jockey that never won a race at the track. You're taking a short price in a race he, where the pace dynamics seem to be contrary to his what he needs. Right. And it's just, yeah, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. You Other know, than the fact that he wins, great story, and he's going to defeat the odds again. I get it. But, you know, not with my money. Not with my money. I didn't even handicap the race. I know I wasn't going to bet him just because. Uh, right. You know he's going to be infinitely smaller price than he was in the derby i mean honestly anything under 20 to 1 it's like what's the point yep no i hear you i hear you anyways i had a nice drive up from from florida yeah you did stopped at the the spears compound that's right man i i was introduced to bucky's Oh, Bucky's is fantastic, man. It's so great. Bucky's is like life-changing. Chaotic, though. I mean, you have to be prepared. Chaos. Complete chaos in Bucky's. Yeah, you have to be prepared for the nonsense. But the brisket is outstanding. You ever watch like a dog race where like three dogs get wiped out and (laughs) start running the wrong way? Like that's the inside of Bucky's. Everybody's running the wrong way. People going all over the place and like... And it's like, it's for some reason, people move fast in there, and, and it's like they're little ants, and, and they have a a, a beef jerky. Oh, man, jerky in there, it's it's outrageous. Like, and everything is cheap, and they have the brisket sandwiches, and they have all the Bucky's brand stuff that's cheap. I gotta get gas was cheap. The gas was 416 there. Yep. Yeah, There's 100 pumps. pumps. Literally 100 pumps. That was... I had heard you had mentioned it, but I really didn't get it until I Yeah, until you go. <laughs> then I went to one in North Carolina. How can you resist? I don't know. I mean, the, the gas alone is worth the trip. <laughs> the one in North Carolina had a line to get in. Yeah, I was going to say. like They had some lady out directing traffic. She wasn't actually very good at directing traffic. She, she was she was creating some of the chaos, but I mean, how many travel centers have have lines to get in them? Yeah, I went to one in Alabama that was like it was the worst designed parking lot of all time, and it was just a line to get out because there was only really one way in, one way out, and it was a beast. Yeah, so if you're driving by and you see a sign of a giant beaver and it says "Buggy," stop. stop. 
<laughs> get you some fudge. Just at least check it out. <laughs> yeah, just to see what's going on there. Yeah, it, it'll it'll describe for people from the north. It'll explain some things about the south. Yeah, that's all well, I got to say. Just go right. in there. The the, the dietary habits of yes. southerners. <laughs> you will see. <laughs> Just uh, uh, they should call it Bucky's diabetes because that's uh, that's all you're gonna get in there. I mean, from much. the fountains, the sodas, and man, it's crazy, wild. But it's 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 definitely something to see. I stopped at Jimmy's famous seafood in Baltimore. Oh yeah, got a support our man Jimmy, who who took on Peta and won a few times. Yeah, so I can tell you this. The 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 cannon shell traffic report. <laughs> the roads were all pretty good until we got on New York State Thruway. Oh, potholes. And it is though there have been like B one bombers dropping bombs on that thing. <laughs> I hit a couple potholes that were like axle breakers, and even the poor ass states like South Carolina don't have potholes like this i mean the roads were fine till new york once i got to new york uh... hey one of our regular listeners lives in south carolina well i'm not saying anything denigrating about south carolina i'm just saying it's not exactly one of our richer states you know true and and that was there the roads there were great uh, barry spears senior there you go (laughs) Shout out to Pops. Shout out to Mr. Spears. That is Mr. Spears, not me. If, if, if you see uh, Dr. J, tell him I said what's up. He'll probably say... Andrew Tony. People too, man. Andrew Tony. Andrew Tony would be big at Bucky's. <laughs> he just looks like a guy that would like 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 the 48-ounce the drink and... Beef. He looks like he's from Louisiana, right? So he's probably a beef jerky guy. I think he lives in Atlanta. No. Well, he was he was from Louisiana, though, wasn't he? Didn't he go to school? And... I think so. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know, but I usually when I go to Bucky, they change the names of all those colleges in Louisiana all the time. <laughs> <laughs> change ownership. It's a weird place, Louisiana. Let me tell you. <laughs> I liked it. I wouldn't want to live there, but. The food's good, but they eat weird stuff too, man. So, yeah. but um, yeah, the roads in New York are horrible. Not surprising. And I also have to tell you that the the cell reception in upstate New York is still pretty pathetic. Verizon, you suck. If anyone from Verizon works at Verizon, you know what you should do. Your your your, your phone company sucks. Someone tipped me off to this. He said, when you go somewhere, you can call the cell company and tell them to switch your home tower, I guess. And your service would be just like normal. So, like, whenever I leave Daytona, my service gets horrible. But if you call them and say, hey... I'm going to be in upstate New York for the next however long. They can finagle something for you. 
That's what I was told. I haven't done it. So, I mean, it, it could be completely false. Well, I'm going to try it because... Oh, try it. Why not? I, I mean, mean, what can happen? Someone from the right, horizon like, laughs oh. at me and says, what are you... <laughs> it's like, well, what <laughs> who told Barry... you that bullshit? What, did Barry tell you that? <laughs> Just shut up and pay your $132 a month, buddy. <laughs> Whatever it is. Anyways, yes, like I said, we'll be at Belmont this week, a couple days. <clears throat> on Saturday? Uh, on Saturday, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'll make it full through the whole card. You go to King Umberto's? Yeah. It's kind of like an, the obligatory trip. You have to, right? That's like mandatory. Is Steve Bick in there, though? Huh? Steve. Steve Bick? Yeah, there. Bick and all the racing form guys were there today. I missed out on that free meal. Dang it. <sighs> Damn. It's, it, they're, they're calling like 50% chance of showers on Saturday. Yeah, I saw that. That'll, that'll, that'll really not be good if it rains. <laughs> I'm not a full card guy anymore, man. I am. I, I struggle to make it the full card. Plus, I get bored about halfway through. Especially if, I, if there's like races I don't like to bet on, I just get bored. I just need a seat. That's what's where I need a couch. I need to go take a nap. Right, yeah. They should have like a sleeping area at tracks. I guess not enough people go to tracks anymore. <laughs> just sleep. Well, on that, a normal day, you could just sleep on a bench. <laughs> that could go one of two ways. Like, yeah, yeah more room for... For whatever it is you need, yeah. or be like, no, nah, get out of here. They make they're so long. That eleven o'clock to seven o'clock at night thing, dude. Especially Remember the not Pegasus people, when it was freezing. Always. The Pegasus was freezing, and it was fourteen races, right? Thirteen. Yeah. Yep. And then, and it was freezing. Like it was cold. And it was dark <laughs> when the last race went off. It, it was. <laughs> yeah, they squeezed in 14. Belmont, what are they, they'll probably start at like 11 or 11.30, right? Yeah, probably 11.30, I would think. The other day, Indiana started they had the quarter horse race. They do that on the weekends. Yeah, they do that on the weekends. Get it over with kind of deal. I don't know. They had like 15 races, so. All I know is the guy, Bruce Hornsby, who rode the, the, the Judmont horse <laughs> in the Epson Derby. Hornsby in the range. Yeah, Bruce. That's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Some things will never change. Me betting on European horses that get bad trips. That's why you got to stick to Australia, man. Probably Australia's in the middle of the night. That's okay. Friday nights. Friday nights. Yeah, well, I'm tired. We've babbled long enough. Probably right. pissed enough people off. I don't, yeah, early on. I don't want to piss anybody else off. Craig, this is it. No no encore today. Oh, no. Craig was busy tonight. He was, he was him and, him and Eddie. Softball. Stewart. 
Him and Eddie Stevens. I don't know. They were on a show. They were on a show. Oh yeah, that's right. I the last time Nick those was... two were together was was at Pompano. <laughs> Eddie C had a couple too many cocktails that day. But uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Pretty much finished. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm sleepy. Yeah, we're not doing a preview show for the Belmont this year. Nah, because there's nothing to preview. Exactly. I guess what? Jackie's Warrior might win. <laughs> you think? We're not betting Rich Strike. We're betting nope. against Flightline. Yep. I haven't quite figured out the Phillies race. Um, the turf races, if it's a five-horse turf race, I'm probably skipping that one. The Jiper, I mean, that that always gets a good field, right? So, I don't even know who's running. Yeah. You don't like turf sprints, though. I don't, but at least the seven furlong races have a more of a of actual race. I, you know, I really don't like the five furlong races. <laughs> the real fast ones feels like a dog race. It feels like a dog race. <laughs> They break out of there, and, and like if your dog doesn't break good and you're dead, it's the same thing in turf sprints going five A's. If you break slow, it's I mean, every once in a while, there's like a fluky race where everybody stops and some horse comes over the top and wins into like 33 to one. But I mean, it just you know, at least the seven ace races are more yeah. they, they almost the seven ace race at Belmont almost play they really play like a mile race. Isn't that Aussie horse that won at Gulfstream. In like this fluke, five furlong race, I think it was a uh, Leperu and Lynch. I think, yeah, Mumble, right? And the horse just fucking ran down everybody, <laughs> and and hasn't even been close to winning since. Yeah, sometimes that happens though, especially with you those- know. I like to be able to figure out races. Turf sprints are tough. I like to like be able to figure out kind of what's going to happen. And then, I mean, just because you can figure out a race or you think you can figure out a race about what might happen doesn't necessarily mean like the favorites are going to win. It just means that like you can say, hey, I think the favorite's vulnerable here because of this. You know, like the Belmont, right? I think Rich Strike is very vulnerable in there because he's not going to get that same pace scenario that that super fast pace to run into he's going to revert back to you know all of his other races right so, probably finish third or fourth sprints are just so hard to for at least for me they're just very difficult to figure and i have a hard time sometimes figuring out which ones are are faster than other ones um I mean, yeah, you got the one horse, the, the occasional horse that just shows ones. Yes, they're going to get to the lead. But in the ones, the, the races that, the lower class races and the ones that haven't developed a whole lot of turf form, they're just kind of chaos to me. I mean, not, not like a good chaos. Like, I just throw my hands up and... <laughs> so you don't. And, and I think part of that too is like if there is a strong, uh, I have a hard time coming up with strong feelings about those races. I guess that's really my biggest issue with turf sprints. And the Belmont races aren't quite as bad because they just play like 
normal race is a little bit more than the five well, ace and Churchill yeah, and the five ace of Keeneland. Because the, the the sweeping turns definitely makes a difference. It gives it gives each horse a, a fair shot, you know. And that's not necessarily the case on a smaller turf course where you yeah. get wiped out and you you're really out of it as soon as you come out of the gate sometimes. With those races at Belmont, there's more of a run up and, and you can get position. You can even get position on the turn. Um so you, you have a, a a fair chance with this with the wide sweeping turns like that. Not so much you're you're screwed if you go a little bit wide, you're not done. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, uh, if you are an owner or a trainer, don't hesitate to sign up for Heisa. Not because it's any good, it sucks. It's going to be the destruction of horse racing and the people that run it should be embarrassed for the debacle that it's going to be. And if you plan on like, you know, going to a track the first week of July, you might have a plan B because I think they're going to have tracks that don't run that week because they're not going to have enough entries because the confusion as to who is actually registered and who is actually licensed. I mean, because Florida gets the double whammy and that their license state licenses in Florida run out on June, uh, June 30th. So you actually have to have a state license on July 1st and be registered with HISA. But just get it done. It's it. It doesn't mean that, like you support it, but you're gonna need it. <laughs> if if you don't, you're gonna get screwed. You're gonna they're gonna scratch your horse, or, or more most likely scratch your horse because I have a feeling that they may not work on weekends. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so you're probably uh, right. I mean, uh, uh, it's it's there's some. The more you look at the rules, the the worse this thing is. This is the this is a joke. It's an absolute joke. But unfortunately, it's it's a joke and it's federal law. So save yourself the time to do it and the aggravation and just get it done. And I know it's a pain in the ass, but get that out of the way. Just do it, and you know, duck. I, I mean, you know, they're talking about like, well, they can seize your property and they can do all these things. Huh? As of a couple of weeks ago, they didn't have any employees. They had like four people that worked there. One was like a IT guy. <laughs> One was that Lisa Lazarus chick. So, like, <laughs> I don't know where the posse is going to come that's going to do all the work and the investigations and make sure all these things happen. I don't know. Because if they're trusting on the tracks to do it, well, they don't exactly have a whole group of people to do that either. So I'm not exactly sure who's going to do this. But um, well, it's fast approaching. One, we're going to find thing out that they can do is make them scratch your horse, and you just don't need that. Like if you have a horse ready to run, the last thing you need is to scratch. And the fact, fact of the matter is, the worst thing for horse racing in general is to have a bunch of three horse fields. It helps no one. It helps the three in there, but you want to be one of the three. You don't want to be 
Yeah. You don't want to be left on the outside. And I've advised every trainer and owner I know, just sign up for the stupid thing and deal with it. Because, yeah, maybe the Sixth Circuit Court will overturn it. There's probably a decent possibility that happens. But we don't know when that's going to happen. Right. We're not there yet. Yeah. So that, that may not happen for six months or a year or, or wherever. It might not happen at all. But this is, you know, it's it's a joke. And the people that blindly support it are just, you know, the same people that blindly support national politicians. Like, they give a shit about you. <laughs> they, they don't. Nope. But, um, you know, just do it and... Save, spare yourself the aggravation. See, that's a good good way to end the show on, on, with a nice my, PSA. My, my public service uh, announcement. PSA. Sign up for this disaster before they make it worse. And seriously, I think it's going to be a debacle. I mean, just from the lady that used to be the governor of Texas... And she ran, I think, Sam Houston for a while. Which, of course, gives you, you know, no real credentials to to, to regulate the backside because <laughs> I'm sure that the only time she was ever on the backside was in a golf cart. But, you know, her her statement when asked on a Zoom meeting the other day about what records will need to be transferred when a horse is claimed because when horses are claimed now you're supposed to not just transfer the vet records and i'm okay with the transfer the vet records i mean like i get all the arguments against it but in the end it is a net positive for the horses mm-hmm. and <laughs> i don't want to like i'll say this but take it with a grain of salt if someone's doing something illegal they're not putting it in the vet records okay <laughs> You know, <laughs> you never find it there. Yeah, on uh, you know March sixteenth, injected the uh, you know shady compound into the. I mean that's that's not going to be on there, but they want you to transfer the training records, which to me is really stupid. Number one, and 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 the second thing is, it just doesn't make any sense. And you have to be very specific about what training records are you considering. Right. What are you asking about? for? Like, if it was me and it, and, and, and my horse got claimed and they asked me to send my training records over to the new trainer. And then past performance. I, I would have 30 days of normal training activity. Day one. Trade to normal training activity. Well, what's normal training activity? I don't know. You're a trainer. You should know what normal training activity is. I ain't telling you exactly all, all the details. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna get interesting. Next... Yeah, the lady basically said, "Oh, take a picture of of your your training board every day." I was so gonna, gonna say, I'm, just send a. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna send a guy with the 30 days of, of of all my horses training. Send him the thoroughbred sheet. <laughs> it, it's it's. If you want, to, if you if you're creating and crafting a federal law. Shouldn't you know specifically what you're supposed to to be asking people to do? Hmm. She doesn't know. You know why? Because she has no practical experience. You know why? Because they don't want anyone with practical experience in there because no one gives a shit about this. It's a big sham. There, I said it. You were waiting to say it. 
Glad you got this chest. Transfer training records. Well, what 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 transfer what does that records mean? specifically? Yeah, oh well, you know, just take a picture of your training board. Like, like what? Huh? <laughs> okay. I mean, it's just it's proprietary information, anyways. Why does this, why does a claiming outfit have have to give up those regulations? Uh, what if a horse is sold? Should should that horse, you know, go through a sale? Uh, racing age sales. Should, should those horses have to, to give up their training records as well? I mean, what benefit is that? What benefit is that? I, I just don't. I don't see one. Or, and if you're, if you like, I said, if you're designing federal laws, and the law says that you must transfer something. And you're not some documentation, and you're not even going to have specifics. Then how do you know if you're violating the law or not? Or do you find out when, when you know, when when they come and arrest you or whatever they're going to do to you, find you? Or... I mean, that's a basic thing that they this, they should know that. If someone was a, if a trainer was in the room, they would have said, well. What if you know what training records are are you, you going to require? Because, what are you referring to here? Yeah, like like what like what's a training record? I mean, are, are you talking about like vet records, vaccination records? Um, you know what? Uh, and she even said like the supplements that you feed the horse. Come on, that's not training, right? That's nutrition. Which, but the fact of the matter is, these are the people in charge, and. If you don't want to get your horse scratched, then don't sign up. But there's so many other issues that, that exist, um, especially big ones concerning horses that um, leave the racetrack to go somewhere else. Who's responsible? Especially if you're sending a horse to a farm where the people most likely aren't licensed. And if you're not licensed by a state, racing wagering board then you're kind of not covered by HISA so why would you register it if you don't have to doesn't make a lot of sense right so if you send your horse to a farm and the person isn't registered well the trainer who sent him there or the owner has to be the person responsible for that horse so I, I had a you know, good discussion with the trainer today. And I said, well, if you don't, if you transfer that to the owner and then something happens at that training center, the owner's going to get in trouble. He's going to be responsible. He may never, he may not have any idea where the farm is or know the people at all because not every owner is like involved in every decision. A lot of owners, you know, they're thousands of miles away. And there's no specifics, and no one can say, "Oh well, no, no, you don't have to worry about that because of this." And, and we, oh, we've thought this through. Like it's it's just like they didn't, and you know, where where are you gonna? We're gonna. I just don't want to see people get in trouble for things that they didn't really do anything wrong. Right. And like I said, I don't know who the investigators are. I don't know who's gonna like enforce these rules. I have no idea. I don't know where all these people are gonna come from. They certainly don't look like they're going to be ready to do anything the first week of July or July at all or this summer. But 
know, like I said last week about signing up, you need consequences. And you, but you also have to have all the, the, the contingencies covered. These are federal laws. What if you're a lawyer or a doctor, someone has a professional license and, and you sign up to take responsibility from a horse and then some nonsense happens and uh, the guy didn't know the rule at the farm and now all of a sudden you're in trouble. Like that could have effects on, on your, your actual livelihood, which will make owning horses like, super dangerous for no reason. For no reason. We're not talking about guys that are... Uh, sending horses to farms to shockwave them or cheat or get around the rules. We're talking about people. I mean, you can't have injectables at a farm or training center. Like farms and training centers don't have the same access to veterinarians that racetracks do where there's veterinarians there all the time. When I was training at a farm or I had horses at a farm or I I was at a training center that wasn't, you know, um, related to a track we kept basic meds on hand i I had a horse one time stepped on a a fence it was a two-year-old and uh the fence it was one of those plastic fences the fence shattered oh man when those those plastic fences are kind of dangerous because when they shatter they it's like right it's like glass it's right cards it was actually it was a um um killer bird oh and she was a baby and uh she stepped on this thing and we had to take it out and um and she had to get antibiotics every day injectables i wasn't paying the vet a hundred bucks a day to come inject that horse with with antibiotics (laughs) yeah right yeah that's not practical no it's not practical plus the vet's not gonna do it not gonna come out they're gonna drive all the way out there just to give a shot of antibiotics but they have nothing else to do that day we did it ourselves. We're not at a racetrack. That's illegal now. That's illegal. And that's wrong. Believe me, most farms, the people do the basic vet work themselves because there is no vet available. Or there might not be a vet available for six hours or 12 hours. Or in emergencies, an hour. And, and, you know, we're, we're dealing with um, a shortage of vets as it is. There's not a lot of vets going to large animal. They go into small animal because they can make a lot more money and it's a lot easier lifestyle, especially racetrack vets or horse vets. A lot of stuff happens in the middle of the night or early in the morning. You don't have nine to fives. You know, so that's my problem with a lot of this stuff. Not that we shouldn't have rules that are the same across the board. That that's that's a no brainer. No one has any issues with that. It's just this whole implementation is going to be a mess. Yeah, it's be rough, yeah. It's and the rough. communication has been lacking. And, and all of a sudden this week, hey, yeah, if you have any questions, call us. Yeah, where you been? I've been trying <laughs> to get questions answered for months, and and nobody was home. So. I hope I'm wrong, but I got to be honest. We'll have to see, man. I think there's a better better shot of Rich Strike winning the Hamiltonian. Oh, man. Oh. And maybe being wrong about this. Strong words. It's, there just doesn't seem to be 
there just seems to be a million little problems sitting there that just don't have good answers for. So, but like I said, before I went into this long soliloquy, yeah, just sign up for the stupid thing. And Craig's a winner. Craig, supposedly, won. you just have to do it once. So, like, you just have to do it once, and then you're in the database, and you're in. until the database crashes, and we have to do it again. So. And do it again next week. <laughs> Exactly. Until it gets hacked in by uh, Anonymous. Um, all right. Well, that's all. That's my my free PSA for the week. That's a good way to end it. Yep. So, so anyone, if you're out of Belmont this week, and you see you see a big fat ball guy, that's probably me. <laughs> Probably. Say what's up. Yeah, but they won't know your ball because you'd be wearing a Miami Heat hat. No, no Heat, no Heat. Dolphins. Yeah, I'm trying to just uh, trying to Yankees. Out. Yankees. Never Yankees. Never ever. Oh. I would never wear a Yankee hat. Oh man, I wouldn't wear a Yankee hat for less than three million dollars. Oof, that's rough. That's my price. Even if Jeter gave you the hat. Even if if Jeter allowed me to <laughs> to hit him with a bat, I don't really hate him that much. I, actually, I don't even hate him anymore because now now that he's no, he's gone. He's now that he's ended this fraud, non-factor. Of, yeah, the fraud of the, the the theft of the Miami Marlins, that other criminal that owns that thing, Rob Manfred. That's the last guy that should be preaching about anything. <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't know. I got, I got some new ones. I gotta bring in, you know, oh, unfinished business. Crack into the rotation. So, so we'll see. All right. I got a lot of Chicago Bulls hats because for some reason nobody wants to buy them. <laughs> They've been on sale. <laughs> when hats usually cost forty three dollars and they're on sale for five. Yeah. So I won't wear Yankee hats. I won't wear Red Sox hats. I will never wear a Jets hat and Patriots. I'd burn it. Oh my God, sir! But, um, the slanders. And, and yeah, you're not going to see me in any any purple and gold Lakers crap either. But uh, pretty much anybody else, uh, I'm game. And Arizona State. That's the other one. Oh, never. That's not even a. That's not even a real school. The the list is growing. The, you know. The, I mean, come on. That's not even a real school. That's what you tell me. Their diplomas are are, are are it's like paper mache. It's like a post-it. Exactly. Leading graduates are, are, are leading in the fields of pizza delivery and Uber driving. We need They're those. not even good at that. We need those. We need those people. That's why we have Arizona State. Ah. Well, that explains it. From the school that gave us Barry Bonds and James Harden and and and, and Chunky James Harden, <laughs> pre-fabricated James Harden, no beard. Yeah, the beardless Harden. Yeah, that's why I grew the beard so people wouldn't recognize him. Hiding <laughs> from his alma mater. He's ashamed of me of going there. 
And Danny White. I hated that guy. <laughs> I didn't hate him as much as Mike Bossy. I hated Mike Bossy. <laughs> I didn't like hockey, and I didn't like that guy. I have no idea why I didn't like Mike Bossy. R.I.P. I'm sorry, Mike. But uh, I didn't even know he was French. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Danny White, that guy, he was, I didn't like him. <laughs> I think someday I'll make a list of all the people I didn't like for whatever Please reason. do, because I want to see this list. This is very obscure names of the ones that I know already. There are, there are a lot of it. ML Carr was not a big fan of ML Carr. He's a cheerleader. I did not like him. He I didn't was... like Greg Kite either. Oh, what? Yeah, no Greg Kites. Ainge, not a big fan of his either. <laughs> so you're on the Beast Beers, I hate the Celtics plan. Pretty much. I like okay. Dennis Johnson. DJ. And as a white dude, I'm, I'm obligated to like Larry Bird. Even though when he was playing, I really didn't like him. <laughs> but... But now you got to look back and you're thinking, he's nasty. He was. <laughs> he's nasty. <laughs> he was really good. Think like Dirk Nowitzki that could pass and talk trash and talk massive trash. Craig, there's no Oklahoma City Thunder guys that I don't like. Yeah, because they're the Supersonics. Nick Collison, ah, he was a little shady. That's JB's in that team. He's a Kansas guy. Oh. I don't know why Jason liked Kansas, but he liked Kansas and the Detroit Pistons. He went Midwestern. The guy never left New York in his life till he was like 32. <laughs> and he was a, he's a big fan of the Midwestern basketball teams. That's so weird. He was literally the only Detroit Pistons fan I ever knew. Maybe it's the colors. The colors are similar. Red and blue. Yes. Red, white, and blue. Yeah. All right, we're done. We'll talk we're to you guys next. We're time. done here. Later. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some of the changes coming to the Going in Circles Digest, which is our sort of weekly newsletter that we've put out that covers a, a wide variety of topics. Uh, just lately, we've added some guest columnists. Sid Fernando wrote a great piece for us a couple weeks back, and Julian Brown has really helped us out with some. Uh, excellent handicapping uh, articles and we're going to expand on the handicapping especially uh, you know with Julian's writing who who used Julian used to write for American Turf Monthly um, but it's something that uh, we we think people seem to have be interested in and certainly any timely topic is, is something that's going to be covered and uh we're going to do a lot of uh, our weekly previews, especially for the big days and, and the Triple Crown races. Uh, we also want to put it out there that anyone that has something to say, you can be a guest writer. Just contact me. There's a, a variety of ways going in circles podcast at gmail.com is probably the easiest. And we'll, uh, we'll put you out there. And we're not exactly... Uh, at the distribution point of the New York Times or anything, but we do get a lot of click-ons. And if you have something to say, well, we'll help you say it. All right, guys, if you have any suggestions, anything you want to hear about, anything you want to 
uh, read about, hit me up, goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com, and uh, check it out, goingincirclesdigest.substack.com. Free subscription. Thanks, guys.